A little boy whose mom had recently passed away was in his bedroom when a violent thunderstorm shook the house. He was really scared and he started crying out for his dad and his dad went upstairs and comforted him and assured him God was with him. Dad went back downstairs and his son went through the same scenario. He went back up and said, listen, God's with you. It's okay. If God's with you, man, it's all good. If God's with you, you got this. Went back downstairs. A few minutes later, there's little feet pattering on the floor and he's standing beside his dad's bed. And he said, son, God's with you. You'll be okay. He said, dad, I need God with skin on. Merry Christmas. Jesus is God with skin on. Jesus is God with skin on. And you know what? Everybody in this room needs God with skin on. We need God with skin on. And Jesus was sent to reveal the awesomeness of God. It says in Hebrews chapter 1 that He is the, he is the image of God. Colossians chapter what is it? One. Just read, go back and read Colossians 1 and, and Hebrews 1 today. Jesus is the express image of God. He is the fullness of God melted down somehow into a human body. And for the next three weeks, today and the next three weeks, we're going to be exploring what that means for our lives. Because here's my prayer. This Christmas will not be just another season of tinsel and toys and parties and exhaustion. And for some of you, an acute loneliness because that loved one that spent so many Christmases with you is not there anymore. I want this Christmas to be different. I want this Christmas to just drip with the reality of who Jesus is and what He came to do. Do you want that? I love Christmas time. But the magic sauce of Christmas is the miracle of the incarnation. Incarnate, in flesh. The incarnation of almighty, wonderful, awesome, good God come in human form. And that's what we're going to talk about. The wonder of the incarnation. God with skin on. God as one of us. God for us. God with us. All of that equals Jesus. The great philosopher and mathematician Blaise Pascal said, Say what you will, there's something in the Christian religion that is astonishing. I just want to ask you, have you lost your sense of astonishment? The wow factor. You know, Christmas music is laced with this 
astonishment factor. Think about it. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. And then it goes on down and it says, he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. You know, unfortunately, as we grow older, sometimes we lose our sense of wonder. I believe the Holy Spirit wants every one of us to recapture the wonder this Christmas season. God becoming one of us, flesh and blood, human, and a baby is astonishing. It's astonishing. It's astounding. Star of wonder, star of night, star of royal beauty, bright, star of wonder, wonder, wonder. Not wonder woman, wonder. Mary Allen Ashcroft, have no idea who she is, but I saw this quote, says, perhaps we need to call December 25th the celebration of the incarnation. Instead of happy holidays or Merry Christmas, we could shout, God chose flesh. God became one of us. You know, I think sometimes we forgot how big a gap there was between us and our father. We forgot or we never really understood how deep the chasm of sin and darkness that separated us from the grace and the goodness and the kindness and the love and the presence and the joy and the peace that the angels sang about. They could sing about peace and joy on earth because they knew the light had come. The chasm was going to be bridged and we had access to our father again. She said, we could shout, God chose flesh. God became one of us. God, closer than close. This is the Christmas story as it should be told. God undressed. God stripped of his finery. Naked on the day he was born. God could not be God with us if he wasn't flesh. Another author said it this way. Is, and is it true this most tremendous tale of all? Now, let me just stop right there. You could say, Santa's reindeers, blah, blah, blah. That's not where he's going. And is it true, this most tremendous tale of all, the maker of the stars and sea became a child on earth for me. He became a child on earth for me. Say it, for me. He didn't just do this for the world. He did it for me. We've got to learn to take the words personally and seriously. Emmanuel. It means God is with us. It's a Hebrew name that describes this most wonderful truth of God among us. God one of us. God near us. God come close. And my prayer, as I said, is that we might recapture the wonder of this story because it's the story of God becoming one of us that we might become his. He became one of us that we might become his and even become like him. Now, you may not have all that hunger to be like Jesus, but your spouse has a hunger for you to be like Jesus.
It's a good place to say amen, Renee. But anyway, it's, it's <laughs> she, <laughs> when Renee and I used to read to our kids and one of them is here this morning with his wonderful wife. And we're just so glad you're here. This is Nate and Leah. Raise your hands, guys. Everybody don't know you here. Amen. And Nate can verify this story if you want to get some corroboration later. We read to our kids a good bit. I mean, most nights we would read something to our kids and, and love to do it, and they loved it, I think. And uh, all of them became great readers, and many of them avid readers now. But there was something, and if you're a parent or grandparent, you know this phenomena. You read a child a book, and if they like it, what do they want? Read it over and over and over and over and over and over again. So all you, well, y'all you, got older kids, but Logan, Jaden, over and over, just get ready. Even to this day, I can, I can quote sections of the Berenstain Bears and Dr. Seuss and all kinds of things. I can, you know, because it was read so much, it was ground into my memory. I couldn't, wouldn't, with a goat, I couldn't, wouldn't on a boat, you know, anyway. I just had to show you my skills. Kids love that repetition. Now, I hadn't read the latest psychological reasons for that. Maybe Laura could tell me. She's a counselor among us, and I don't know. But here's what my guess is. is somehow they feel part of the story if they can anticipate the next page and help tell it. They're part of the story. There's something secure about knowing how this turns out. They love the repetition. But the thing about children is they never seem to lose the wonder. But the mom and dad is going, not again. No, oh, I don't want to read the doctor's suit. I don't want to read you know, green eggs and ham. I don't No. Oh. As adults, we tend to lose the wonder of the same old story. And really, it takes the Holy Spirit to make the story new after you've done it for 60 plus Christmases like I have. Some of you got me beat. I get that. You win. So let's read. We're going to read the story again. Matthew. This is what uh, Kalia read at the beginning of the service, but we're going to read it again for purposes of emphasis. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Oh, just found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. You know, we could just run right by that, but that's awesome. Go to Luke for the details. Luke chapter 2. But after, well, go back. I'm sorry. I wasn't telling you. To, I was telling them to go to Luke. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Because you, you probably know this, but in those days, the betrothal, the, the, the engagement process was as binding as marriage. And to get out of an engagement, because you had an engagement period where the man would go and build a house and get ready and all of that, you had this period of time. They were officially connected legally upon the agreement to be engaged between their two families. 
And so to get out of this situation, he was going to have to actually go through a legal divorce to get out from being engaged to her, but he didn't want her to be humiliated. And we don't know at this point, did he, did he really believe her story? Evidently not. So we got a little tension here. But after he had considered this, the divorce, an angel of the Lord. Now, men, how many of you, you would, you would witness, I would need an angel of the Lord to make me believe that. Raise your hand. Every man in the house. Now, you women, you'd have to have an angel tell you to believe it too. An angel appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus, which by the way means Jehovah is salvation or Yahweh is salvation because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did not, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, Matthew refers to a prophecy in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, I believe it is. And it's where Ahaz the king was surrounded by superior armies and they were about to get annihilated and he was scared spitless. And he goes to the prophet and the prophet says, listen, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to defeat your enemies. I'm going to protect my people the people of Judah and Jerusalem, you ask a sign and I'll give as high as the heavens, as deep as the sea, basically is what he said. You ask for a sign and I'll give it to you. And Ahaz said, oh no, I'm not going to test the Lord. I'm not going to ask for a sign. And, and the Lord says through the prophet, okay then, I'll give you a sign. A virgin will conceive and bear a son and his name will be called Emmanuel. And before he's old enough to eat curds and something else, and I don't even understand all that, but in, and before he's able to discern right and wrong, your enemies will be defeated. Now there's a double fulfillment of this prophecy. The first fulfillment evidently was in that period of time that Isaiah and King Ahaz were living. No, virgin, as we know the word, was not the issue, but that word can also be interpreted young maiden. And evidently there was a young lady who had a baby and before that baby was a certain age, their enemies were defeated. But under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Matthew applies that prophecy to Jesus' birth and she was a virgin by every definition of the word. It was a miracle. It was a miracle. And here's one thing that we need to take from this. God is willing to get involved and pay a price to do it. He is willing to get involved 
in our lives, in the rough and tumble, the financial, the marital, the relational, the social, the, the medical, he is willing to get involved. There is no greater involvement than the God of glory taking on a human body and living and walking among us, playing by our rules. Guess what? Jesus had dirty diapers. Well, they didn't have diapers at all, but Jesus messed his britches up just like your, let's see, we lost two babies. We got, we got twins there. Just like your little baby messes up diapers, Jesus messed up. Jesus was a real baby. Jesus threw up on his mama and daddy at times. Jesus came low and vulnerable just like your child did. Just like you did. Just like you did. But here's the deal. Hope is always one result of God coming near. Hope is always one of the results of God coming near. And when God came near to Ahaz in that situation with the armies arrayed against them, it brought hope. When Jesus was born in a stable, the angels showed up and said, listen, you guys got reason to look forward with hope because a Savior is born. Now, I had the privilege of witnessing three of our four children born. Back in the day, I don't, know what the, I don't know what the medical community was thinking. It was a different time. But there was a time daddies had to stay in the waiting room. Anybody had, had that experience here? Some of you old, yeah. There was a time when they didn't let daddy come in. But I saw three of my four, and this one's the only one I didn't see born because it was an emergency C-section. And you know what? I could cry right now just thinking about seeing my children breathe their first breath. I could just weep right now just at the wonder that a little human being was living inside that woman right there. And that he was a product of her and me and, and God. The wonder has never left me of that. I, we've got pictures of me, you know, holding a, a, a child that isn't even cleaned up yet. <clears throat> the wonder, the wonder of a human being developing within another human being's womb. I was amazed at my wife's toughness. No epidural for the first three. Come on, ladies, say, ooh. No epidural. Yeah, she's tough. The courage, the toughness, but most of all, I was just amazed at the whole idea of conception and birth and a new human being being brought into the world. But can I tell you, for the God of the universe to come here that way, is astounding to an infinite degree. How could he? Why would he? 
come in so low and vulnerable and unprotected in the midst of scandal and suspicion and possible genocide committed against him. Why would the God of the universe come close in a baby of all things? He could have come close as a conquering king, just rode his horse out of heaven. <coughs> Excuse me, like he will one day. But he didn't. The incarnation is an infinite step further than the miracle of human birth. And we should say, wow. Come on, let's just practice. Wow. Say it. Say it again. Wow. What did he do when he did this? He bridged the gap. He bridged the gap between heaven and earth. He bridged the gap between the physical and the spiritual. He bridged the gap between flesh and spirit. He bridged the gap between God and man. He bridged the gap of sin and darkness I referred to a while ago. All by taking on a human body as a baby and eventually dying in our place. He wasn't a disinterested spectator, but a full participator, all in, getting his hands dirty, identifying with us. And I believe this, and many theologians believe this, he will be the God-man forever. Forever. I believe I will see nail scars in his hands and I'm pouring oil all over the floor. Hallelujah, that must be a sign. I believe that he will be the God-man forever. What a condescension. What a stooping so low. You say, well, I kind of like having a body. What's all the big deal about him? Listen, he was unlimited and is still unlimited, yet he will be one of us, identifying with us forever. His deity was not diminished but humility and humanness was experienced firsthand by God. Perfect life demonstrated human life. God with us means that not that he's merely above us. He is that he's over us, but God with us means he's with us in nature. He's with us in mind and emotion. He's with us in pain and sorrow. He's with us in death, but he is with us in life. This is God up close and personal. You know, my desire that by the time this month is over, that none of us would ever dare wonder, does he understand? He doesn't understand just because he's omniscient. That means he knows everything. There is no limit to his knowledge. He knows everything. He doesn't understand because he knows everything. He understands because he's been there, done that, got the shirt, got the scars. That's why he knows. He knows us in an up-close, personal way that just knowing everything would never do. But we can never again doubt that he feels our pain. He understands where we're at because he's been there. And that's important. Philippians 2 Six through eight says, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage or grasped. I think I'll just kick everything over. Thank you. 
did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus didn't trade his divinity for humanity. He became fully human and remained fully God. You say, explain that to me. I can't. I can just say, wow. I can't. But that's what we're celebrating this month. He came close as a baby. And that equals vulnerability. He came close as a baby. He was vulnerable. No filtered, sanitized, cushy situation. We all know the nasty smelling stable. We got all of that. It was more than just being in a stable instead of in a nice nursery that daddy prepared for baby. He came in vulnerable to the point they had to flee to Egypt to keep from getting killed. He didn't come with an entourage. He didn't come with trumpets blaring or a press release. He came unprotected, unheralded except by angels on that one night. He came in vulnerable just like you and I did. He modeled the heart of a father of the father and he gave us an example. He said, except you become as a little child, you can by no means enter the kingdom of God. Matter of fact, Jesus says this in Matthew 18, three, he says, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And boy, did he live that one out. pleasing and imitating, obeying Father, even to the point of taking on humanity forever. So there's a couple of things here and we're going to wrap this up. He relates to us in our vulnerability and frailty. He understands there's things that attack your life. He understands There's things you don't understand and you don't know what's coming next. He understands our vulnerability. He understands our frailty. He understands there's some things we can't control. Amen? He understands all of that. Been there, done that. And his father brought him through it and he'll bring us through it. But we have to to come to him like a child. And he's ready to get involved now, just like he did with Ahaz the king and the armies, just like he did when Christ came as a baby. He wants to come again to you in your vulnerable situation and make himself known to you. If he stoops so low to become one of us, we can trust him to come after us, rescue us. And pick us up when we fall. Amen. I heard a story about a little child. His family had a place on the lake. And and the dad turned his eyes just for a moment. And his boy disappeared off the pier. 
He was four or five years old and couldn't swim yet. And they searched frantically. And, and I mean, you know, minutes are an eternity in a situation like that. And finally, his dad dove in the water and started looking underwater. And he found his son clinging to the post of the pier underwater, trying to hold his breath. He brought him out and he said, son, why did you do that? He said, dad, I knew you'd come for me. I knew you'd come for me. He came for you. He came for you. He came for me. He came for everyone in this world. But we got to take it personally. He came for me. And you know, He came for me. He is coming for me. He will come for me. So I can celebrate Christmas in a whole new way. I still need Jesus with skin on. I still need Jesus with skin on. I've got two challenges for all of us today. The first one is, is that I want us all to pray that the Holy Spirit will reveal the awesomeness and the wow of Jesus taking on flesh. He will reveal that to us all over again. That as you get your Bible out over the next coming days and weeks, as you hear us talk about it here, as you hear a Christmas song, it will not just be that warm, fuzzy feeling because I've been singing it since I was four years old and it makes me remember mama and daddy. It makes me remember, it makes me remember. No, I want the Christmas music like we sang this morning to make your heart and mine and my heart and mine automatically revert to the awesomeness of what Jesus did. That I am not alone ever again. I am not cut off. He is close. The God of the universe has come close in Jesus. And I have reason to celebrate. I want Hark the Herald Angels Sing to do that to me. When I hear it on our radio station, 88.5, when I hear it on our radio station, I want that to be the reaction of my soul. Because I'm going to tell you, if it is, then you will become Jesus with flesh on to somebody out there but if it doesn't do that to you why is it going to do that to an unbeliever who all they know about Christmas is the rush and the press and the decorations and the parties and all of that if that's all the Christmas is to them you and I need to be God with skin on this year you see, the incarnation didn't stop with Jesus. Now he says we are his body. We are his voice. We are his hands and feet. We are. We are the body of Christ. I didn't make that up. Read the book. It's a good book. Really. Bestseller. We're called to be skin on. Jesus was skin on for other people. And His Spirit can demonstrate Jesus through us. He can make us spiritual mothers and fathers. He can make us spiritual coaches and friends. He can make Jesus real through me.
even in my vulnerability and my lack and my flaws. Jesus didn't have any flaws, but I do. And sometimes we feel vulnerable reaching out and expressing the joy and the hope of Jesus to people around us because we're afraid they'll see our flaws and it shuts us down. Surrender your flaws to Jesus. He's still amazing. He's still life. He's still light. He is still hope. He is still peace. He is still all of that. And He's all of that in me and for me and wants to be that through me, even with my flaws. If you wait until you're perfect before you start being Jesus with skin on to people around you, you will never show anybody else the light of the nativity through your life. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, held the incarnate deity, pleased with us in flesh to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Jesus, show yourself to me. Jesus, show yourself through me. Until my heart rejoices like the angels and those around me experience a little bit of the overflow. Here's what I want you to do. There's two, two things. Before we do that, though, let me, let me just ask you, if there's anybody here and you've not ever surrendered your heart to Christ, you've not asked Him to forgive your sin, come live inside you and be your Lord and Savior. You've not done that. Oh, you might have shook a preacher's hand. You might have even got baptized. But you never in your heart entrusted your entire being into His care and control. You never said, I'm a sinner and I am lost without a Savior and you're it and I am putting you in charge and I'm going to follow you wherever you lead and I'm going to trust you with whatever I've got and I'm trusting you to change me from the inside out by the work of your Holy Spirit bought by the blood you shed on the cross. So that's a lot of words. It's basically this. You're what my life was made for and I'm incomplete without it. I need you. Save me. Help. Jesus, I need you. Anybody here, you've not ever done that, but you want to. I'm looking in the balcony. I'm looking downstairs. I'm looking everywhere. Anybody? Anybody? We all may be believers. Anybody? I guess we're all believers. I'm going to ask you to do two things, to pray two prayers. The first one I just prayed. Reveal Jesus to me in a fresh way that will capture my heart this Christmas so that every time I hear a Christmas song, something will erupt inside me. How many of you, you can pray that prayer. Would you, would you raise your hand?
You can pray that prayer with me. Raise it. You, you will pray that prayer with me. All right, let's pray it. And I've got one more prayer for all of us, Father. Come on, just lay your hands on your eyes or your heart or something and just say, oh God, open my eyes. Help me see the beauty of what you did. Help me see the just astounding, awe-inspiring humility you demonstrated by being born as a baby in a barn. Oh God, let it capture me. I don't want to just make my way through Christmas and eat more junk food, Lord, and open presents and stress out over shopping for I don't that's I want more than that. I want the revelation that the angels understood that Christmas night, Lord. I can't do this for myself. No preacher can do this for me. Only you, Holy Spirit, can do this in me. I ask you to do it. Please do it. <laughs>